Hello everyone, you are now listening to the Storm Connects podcast with Eno Ninja. I talk about gaming topics and animated series of my own interest like Ruby, Hunter x Hunter, Kingdom Hearts, Persona 5, Final Fantasy, and etc. The goal I aim to accomplish on every episode is to provide insights on these subjects that are usually overlooked to spread awareness and learn more. This podcast is going to be an interesting one because we are going to be discussing how the future is shaping up for gaming of 2020 and beyond. Consoles, PC, mobile, all of that. And yes, when I say we, my special guest Crunch has rejoined this Storm Connect podcast episode once again to bring on his insights on the matter. Yeah, so what, how's it going everybody? I'm Crunch. If you'll probably recognize me on the previous episode, um, might have been an episode back or something on the real Kingdom Hearts 3. Today we'll be talking about consoles and PC and basically just how like Consoles are sort of dying out now. They used to be really popular back then, but we'll go into more detail as we discuss the topic more and more, and how PC is probably just going to like overtake gaming as a whole. So, with that being said, we've entered the, into the new decade of gaming so far, and it might be looking pretty grim for consoles, but as far as everything else goes, um, yeah, let's just jump into it. Alrighty. So, now... First off, we need to uh, get a little bit of the background of how, I guess you would say, the evolution of things, you know, mm-hmm. for our platforms and such. Um, you know, it's really crazy to me because it's like we initially went from way, way, way back then, like in the um, 1900s of like, you know, arcades and then, you know, how we had the toys from fast food places and stuff like that, like McDonald's, uh, Burger King and such, and then... Mm all these stations and such uh we went from that to like now that like literally like gaming is everywhere <laughs> yeah Home, mobility and such it's always everywhere in every shape or form especially to how our technology and technology is advancing really quick on that so it's actually like insane of how far we have come so far yeah like especially so to like touch up on like what we mean by McDonald's Burger King toys, um, we're not just talking about like action figures or like little bobbleheads you get. You, to those who have been alive at the time when they did this, um, I'll bring up an example. I believe it was Sonic the Hedgehog had like some sort of little partnership with McDonald's and they started coming out with these like little handheld toys. They came with like a game each. So it was like, you know, one of them could be, like, you were playing soccer with Sonic, basketball, tennis, you name it. Like, there was even a tennis thing for, like, the World Championships for tennis with, like, Serena Williams and I think her other, like, twin sister. I'm pretty sure that's the same person, but, you know, like, it goes as far back as that. I know that's not, like, too far back, but, you know, we can go as far back as Pong. We can go far, as far back as Street Fighter on arcade systems. There used to be, like... A couple Need for Speed racing um, stations, and it, probably no one knows this, but F Zero used to have one. It was called the F Zero AX, I think, and it was basically just F Zero GX on a racing station at places like Chuck E. Cheese's, Frankie's, Adventure Landing, like you name it. Like gaming has evolved so much since its introduction into the late 1900s. Like I'm not exactly sure like history wise when it came out because obviously i wasn't alive during then and there's been a lot of like kind of iffy history notes on it like some say it was like 70s to 80s some say like oh as far back as 50s but like probably not so 
late 1900s is like the most accurate date I could give you guys, but, you know. Yeah, and um, that being said, it's like, you know, um, where we're at right now, it's, right now, it, it's a big question to me, because like, like I said, like, we have had a great glow up, our evolution to that, yes. Um, but my concern is to that is that how far is the evolution going to keep going with that? Because there's many ways that we can like go about with this type of um, creativity with technology and such, especially to what we do with gaming. But um, I guess I what I would like to say is who is going to come out on top with that, and is it going to keep alive, keep going? Yeah, because the thing about evolution too is like now this doesn't happen all the time, but you know as one trend starts to trend as they say the other one just kind of stops like you know for example like arcades were huge especially like back when my parents were like around my age like it was big for people to go to arcade systems and play games like you know pac-man and street fighter on the arcade systems and uh galaga like those go way back they're not just mobile games for some or even console games maybe even pc too i'm not sure but you know, those games started out on arcades, and that's why they're so iconic. But, you know, as you start to progress through the meta of gaming, you know, one's going to die out. Like, arcades are kind of dead now, and the reason they're dead is because the introduction of consoles. Consoles such as the SNES, like N64, GameCube, you know, those are big consoles that made big waves in gaming and really changed everyone's perspective. Like, you basically just made the transition from actually having to drive out somewhere to play the game to just getting a console and staying at home. Yeah, it's funny because I was uh, I had a conversation about this with my mom, uh, and she used to tell me of how much she would like go to um, even at um, corner stores and uh, gas stations that they would even have arcades and such, and like you know you would have to put in the quarter to play with those uh, games and such. Uh, she used to be um, a Galaga player. And, um, you know, and it's funny because to this day, like, she, if she plays it, she's actually still insanely good at it. Yeah. So, um, but, like, now, like, the Galaga that was originally arcade and such, we have that as a home console. It's stuff like that as to what I'm saying. It's that, like, now it's everywhere in any way, shape, or form because of basically of how technology is advancing with that. So, it we're going pretty quick with this and it's it's amazing yes yeah so. like even my mom was good on like some arcade games like there was one called Firefinger. like i don't know why but no one could beat this game but it was basically like racing your finger into the pattern that it showed on the game and somehow she just has like the quickest reflexes and we would just win like a bunch of tickets like it was at like a skating area but mm-hmm. like they even still have arcade games and gas stations and other places too like they're not dead, but if you consider, like, what's bigger, consoles are definitely way bigger than arcades now. And even some arcade stations are based off of mobile games, too. Like, Fruit Ninja and Guitar Hero started off on, you know, smartphone and console, respectively, but actually made their way to arcades, like, not too, not much later. So. Yeah, because um, I'm over here in Las Vegas, and, you know, we have... Um you know, some of the casinos, they do have these uh, arcades. And uh, we even have a dedicated one called uh, Dave & Buster's. And um, 
they it's like they, they kind of switch up though like you know it's it's like a great to go out type of thing is how it's being viewed as now but it's just preferably most of the time it's mostly people with either with their mobile phone with these games or basically as mentioned before at home with these sets of consoles yeah so i guess with that um i could probably like just quickly get into like my personal experiences with gaming like I know a lot of people grew up on, like, a lot of Mario games, Zelda, COD, maybe even GoldenEye, which is like a James Bond game, um, which also kind of spawned, like, speedrunning. And I'm not trying to make this, like, a history lesson or anything. This is just sort of a recap from what I've experienced in, like, a lot of the Mario Kart games, too, to add on. But, like, I didn't really get to play all those games until, like, much later into my childhood, because, um... I was sort of gate-locked with what I could play as a kid, because, you know, there's... Even though the graphics back then were mainly, like, you know, polygons or sprites, like, the themes and the visuals were still pretty graphic for some games, so... Um, you know, and as a kid, I didn't want to, like, look at that type of stuff at that age, so... I'm still at least glad that my parents gate-kept me from playing those games, but, like, personally for me, like, the first ever video game I ever played outside of an arcade station was... Uh, it was a game called Spider-Man Friend, Friend or Foe. It was on the <laughs> DS and the Wii. And it like came out around the time that Spider-Man 3 did in like 2007. So you basically teamed up with like all the villains like Doc Ock, Sandman, Venom, Green Goblin, um, and other people. And you're beating, you're trying to take down Mysterio. But it was a fun game. That was the first one I played. It was on the Nintendo DS because my DS was my first ever handheld, let alone gaming system I ever owned. And oh, then... Wow. Yeah, and then, like, shortly after that, I actually got into Pokemon with Pokemon HeartGold. Still probably one of my favorite games of all time. It's such a good game. I love it so much. It, it brings back a lot of good memories. I played the game, like, constantly. I think I've beaten it, like, five or six times. It's such a good game. And then, you know, after that, I got a Wii, and then I was introduced to Smash Bros. Brawl, which sort of um, lit, the, lit the light to Smash Bros., I guess, and, like paving my way towards making a name for myself, sort of, in the community, but, um, yeah. So that's kind of, like, what I've been doing, and then from now, I'm just kind of trying to, like, relive all the stuff I missed, so, like, I got into Kingdom Hearts, I got into Uncharted, um, I might get into Resident Evil, not sure, I've also gotten into, like, the old Devil May Cry games, um, yeah, I'm just kind of, like, catching up on everything I missed as a kid, now that I can, I guess, handle it, so... Wow, that's that's actually quite a little bit of the history there. I didn't actually didn't know about that. That's really interesting. Yeah, the um, more you know, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. So, um, I suppose I could have a little bit of um, reveal with my background. <laughs> Ooh, okay. So, um, actually, like for me, like I kind of grew up with gaming as a very very young toddler. I guess you could say, uh, from around the age around a four to five. Uh, when my mom, she brought home the, um, uh, NES console, the SNES or the NES, I don't remember which one it was though, but it definitely had Super Mario World in it, and that was the first one that I played, and I was, like, so addicted to, like, going through the levels and stuff like that, like, these type of games, it always, like, kept me really absorbed to, you know, accomplishing this type of stuff, and I don't know, it just seemed like it was something, like, really interesting, and it was 
eye-catching for me, I guess you could say. Yeah. And uh, ever since then, like, it was something that, like, I always, like, enjoyed as a child. And my mom, she then eventually later, like, she bought personally for me the GameCube. And um, the game that I religiously played so much was uh, Super Mario Sunshine. That was my first, like, to me, in a way, like, Super Mario World was kind of, like, my first game, though. But, like, what really, like, wrote me in like that was that game, Super Mario Sunshine. And um, I was, like, really more of a platformer gamer and stuff like that, though. And then I was just like, oh, well, um, I always, like, talk to my mom and such. And she'll just hear me, like, go on about it. I was just like, um, uh, what other concepts could actually happen and such. And then I was just like, oh, wow, I really did not know about this when I was a kid. Um, and then I got more games to the GameCube later as I grew up and such, and then, um, uh, I got a little bit into fighting, because I thought it was just, like, so cool, especially to, like, what you could do with, like, Super Mario Sunshine. I thought of, like, what type of other visuals, and type of magic and such. I always loved that so much. Um, and then as I progressed with, um, years of my life, um, I became somebody who was interested in lore. I always loved, like, learning about other people and such, and everything else that goes to the creations of things. I would like to know stories. Yeah. So, that's why it was easy for me to get into Kingdom Hearts, because that was, like, my first, I guess you could say, my first lore game. Like, a dedicated lore game, an RPG. I loved doing that. Fighting my, fighting my way with the Heartless and such, that magic appeal. And, of course, like... I was a I was a Disney freak when I was a kid, so it, it wrote me in just like that quick, and I just love the designs of it and such. So I don't know, like at first, like when I played it, I was just like, oh, this is really cute and such. But then, like whenever I see like you know Mickey is being threatened with the darkness, I'm just like, oh, okay, whoa, this is kind of getting dark here. Whoa, all right, chill. So um, so yeah, so that that's the thing. Um, and then by the time that I get around to my um. My teen, uh, teenage years, um, that's when I became uh, interested of doing um, gaming on the media and such. And uh, since I'm an anime freak, uh, I um, there was a game that was called uh, the Naruto Storm series. Um, I saw that there were some uh, YouTubers that actually like did their combos and stuff like that. And because I was invested with the lore as well, the uh, visuals and such, it was a good complementary to one another and such so that's how i kind of also like this is also the story of how i also came into the um media as an influencer as well so um and by that time that's uh i was able to get back into kingdom hearts as well and um i kind of just evolved from there and now to this day i love fighting games and such um i guess you could say um i was wrote back into smash a little bit because I, I was kind of a little bit into it but I was on and off but now here I am um, as a Robin main uh, for the new title Smash Ultimate but even though I do have my enjoyment with that I always love learning lore and uh, now I'm over here excited waiting for Persona 5 Royal I'm excited for that yes and um I'm just, I want, because I want, I always want to talk about it and to, like, really dive into something, like, I like at least it making sense to it, though, but to see, like, where the inspiration comes from and such, and I, I actually, uh, I actually apply it to how I go through my life as well, so, um, that's kind of how, where I'm at right now as an influencer, and I don't know, it just kept me going since then, you know? 
Yeah, I agree with you with, like, the the interest of lore, because I think it's a great topic starter, especially for other people that share, like, a similar interest with the game. Like, Persona 5, for example, I remember you and I were talking about that, like, for hours. Like, when I mm-hmm. first started playing Persona 5 and I got to that part in the game, um, with, like, it was, like, the final debriefing uh, about, like, you know, the whole a catchy scenario or situation and like we were just talking about like the lore and like coming up with like different theories essentially just theory crafting and like it's very interesting to talk about it because sometimes there's not really a right or wrong answer it's all in theory you don't know if it's right or wrong but what the best part about this is because that uh, again we're using persona 5 as an example though but like there's other titles that set a good example as well if you were put into that position though oh yeah but yeah persona 5 they had actual like examples that could actually happen in real life that would hit so close to home that it it actually grinds our gears for that it's just like oh my god i actually felt this like i was there and such like holy crap yeah it's it's all realistic and then you sit here and you're just like oh this is a deja vu moment (laughs) right yeah that's well said um and actually, I also want to share a little bit of a fun fact um, with everyone here that's listening to this podcast. Um, I've known Crunch for about a couple years now, and um, he w- I, he actually came from the Smash community. I'm over here that came from the Kingdom Hearts community. Again, me more about lore and such, and he was over there doing, like, you know, the fighting. Like, just a little bit of the fighting because of how Smash is. Unless you want to be that one that call it a party game, then whatever. But anyways... Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny because, like, him and I, we actually kind of did the reverse uh, as of recently for, like, the past year, actually. Um, I mean, I'm still into the lore. Like, like again, otherwise, Persona 5 Raw, I, I would be sleeping on that. But it's just the fact that, like, I seriously got more into the mechanical of games and such um, when Crunch introduced me. He introduced me to certain things that you could do in Smash and such, and then... Uh, as he mentioned before, he wanted to play catch-up with a few things and such, and then I'm here like, okay, if you're gonna play catch-up, let me introduce you to these titles, and I want to hear everything about it, and you, as you can imagine, we had many conversations, and it just has progressed from here, and here we are right now. (laughs) Yeah. So, um... But yeah, no, it's uh, it's quite a little bit of a journey, and I'm I'm still here. I mean, again, it's what keeps me going. <laughs> right. So. Hmm? Oh yeah, I was just say yeah. Um, it's kind of crazy how like, like as the, the final note to like the personal backgrounds before we actually get into the topic. Um, it's kind of crazy how like different communities really like come together in the most unexpected ways, like. By no means is Kingdom Hearts and Smash, like, related in any way. I mean, obviously, there's discussions about, like, wanting Sora for Smash, and, like, you know, Smash would be great with Kingdom Hearts music, but, like, if you take out Smash Theory Crafting from Kingdom Hearts, like, they're completely different. Like, it's an RPG game versus a fighting game. Some consider it a party game. I don't know why, but it's a fighting game. But, you know, like, that's a different debate. But, like, um... Yeah, I just think it's weird that, like, some people meet from just completely different games. It's so unexpected. Mm-hmm. It's a good, uh, crossover that way. Right. So, um, but yeah, no, but with that being said, though, like, now that we've had a little bit of the backgrounds, uh, laid out, introduced and such, 
we need to have a little bit of a discussion regarding with our consoles. <laughs> yeah, so basically consoles, keep in mind, we're going to be talking about more of the mainstream popular brands. So we're talking about Nintendo, we're talking about Sony, we're talking about Xbox. So if you came here for Google Stadia, uh, sorry bro, Bye. we're not talking about Bye. that. <laughs> Google Stadia fan is not going to be pleased to hear that, so... Uh, it's okay they'll forgive us later but not but it's okay whatever <laughs> right but yeah i bring up those three main brands because they're essentially the three biggest competitors and driving forces in gaming history and maybe even console history so you know we start off with like xbox and uh playstation like they've had about four or five consoles now and mm-hmm. some have done better than others like the 360 and the PS3, PS4 times, those were peak moments in console gaming. Like, you came out with titles with, like, Uncharted, Halo, and then even you can bring the Wii into this as well. And GameCube came out with, like, Smash, Melee Brawl, um, F-Zero, Sunshine. Like, you have so many like, some of the greatest, most classic AAA titles on those consoles that you cannot find on PC. So, for the time being, console was raining incredibly hard over PC. Like, there was no competition at that point. Because PCs were not up to date to handle those big type of games. So, that's kind of like the reason, or at least that I see why consoles existed, was to have a system that was built solely to have the capabilities of running those type of games. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and Halo. I I don't. I can't remember if I said that, but Halo on Xbox. Keep this in mind. Is a huge staple for Xbox. This game is like so. Like it's not the main reason why Xbox took off, but it's one of the biggest because Halo is one of the biggest games of all time. Like it's very well known. If you know Master Chief, you know Halo. There's no question. Um, but like consoles, the reason they're so good, or at least were back then is because, you know, you're gaming at home. You don't have to leave. The only time you would ever have to leave is if you wanted to buy a game at your local GameStop, Walmart, Target, you name it. Wherever you're getting games from, that's the only time you had to leave. And this is kind of before, like, Amazon took off where you could order games online or, like, you know, pick them up in store from ordering them online. But, like, that's the only time you had to leave your house. Other than that, you were sitting there with a bag of chips... A Dr. Pepper, whatever your favorite soda was, if you were into that, and you were playing Mario Sunshine, a little bit of COD Modern Warfare 2, maybe some Smash with the homies, you know? You were doing something on one of those gaming consoles because it was at home, it was in the comfort of your home, and you're just playing with the homies at home, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. you're having a blast. And sure, it's not an everyday system that you have, same thing with like handhelds like Game Boy and the DS, DSi, 3DS, you know, that whole DS, li- the whole DS lineup, sorry. Um, mm-hmm. You know, besides those, like consoles were the biggest thing at that time. And it definitely had some positives. Like, you know, you could buy um, the Wii actually had like the Wii shop, which for those that know the Wii shop music, um, that's where you got a lot of your games from. And that was like, one of the first few introductions to buying games online and then there was also like xbox live and like the playstation store too but like you could buy games 
on an online store. Like that was huge. You literally saved yourself probably gas money and some travels just trying to get a game that you really want. And you know what? It's um, it's funny because uh, back then, whenever like I I rem- I still remember this to this day. Um, the the release with uh, Smash uh, Smash Bros. Brawl, like you would see people lining up at GameStop, these game stores and stuff like that, just to pick up the copy rather yeah. than simply downloading the game that we can do right now. Right. And it's it was a huge inconvenience back then because we did not have. Uh, the online capabilities and such, you know, like as Crunch mentioned before, like we're over here like playing these games that do not have the internet capability. We did not have the Wii Shop, we did not have the PSN store, we did not have all of that, and as time grew on with that, it's just like, whoa, they're, they're now in the cloud. They're now in the cloud data to where we could just simply, you know, download through that, then rather than going through the stress of being at the game store at midnight. And just to get the copy, one way, shape, or form, or like, you know, you have all these places shipping um, these games, these hard copies to uh, to people's homes. And um, with that being said, though, like, we have people that appreciate the hard copies. Like, to this day, people, like, we love the art. We love the art that comes with it, and basically the physical being of that, you know, it has that type of connection especially like for how long like we have been around there's some type of connection to that though but like now say if we get a digital copy and such and if something happens to our console when we get a new console we don't have to worry about rebuying the game right simple download again because of the cloud because it's under your account and such the these game companies now save you from that and it's, it's mind-blowing from that, and this is where we now have, I, I guess you could say, the online servers to do multiplayer, because you would have to go to somebody's house, that, like somebody from school, or, you know, if you ever go to, like, dance lessons and such for whatever your outside activities are, you would just go home and stuff like that, and, you know, you would do your gamings um, at your friend's house, or whoever's. But now, like, we don't have to worry about that, because we're now, like, gaming through the cloud network and such just to like you know kick someone's ass and smash and such or like you know do some quests like for example world of warcraft and dauntless monster hunter world like whoa like now like we don't see many people do like sometimes they do it just because uh, the outside promotional events and stuff like that like it's cute but we really don't see many people going through GameStop and again the gaming stores and events and stuff like that just to basically celebrate a game's release and then you know they go back with their uh hard card copy and go home. Yeah. Like the thing that you just mentioned that was huge and still kind of is to this day are midnight releases. Like especially for like collectors items or deluxe editions for games, like those are huge. Or at least were like sometimes lines would last for hours and would stretch across like blocks for a game like this isn't just a dinky little industry like gaming is huge and always has been it's been such a big monopoly and they've gotten so much money through midnight releases and just going to stores and even like microtransactions too from like a couple different games as well like yeah they're they're pretty big consoles despite like what my future opinion of them 
as we progress into the podcast are, they were a huge staple in gaming. And I believe that is facts. I don't think there's an opinion for that. I think console... I know the phrase I think is opinionated, but um, I really do think, I know it's an opinion, that console really did shape gaming. And it's a huge staple, like I said before. It really is. You're right on that. And, um, you, you know, and plus, like, now, um, I want to bring this in because it's, it's, like, the most that I'm familiar with. Um, Square Enix for their exclusivity with, yes. uh, Sony. Yeah. Um, Kingdom Hearts. Like, again, like, we don't... It was really huge, especially to, like, uh, how the games, they, uh, like, again, back then they were on the PS1 and PS2. But knowing the fact that they were remastered to resell again to experience that because like some people like back in the few years like we did not have our like playstation 1 playstation 2 sometimes like they would even give out you know and yeah. we never think about that because we're up here in the new consoles but like we do miss these titles and such but then we have titles again like with um well the game company square enix they re they revisit these games and bring it back to life yeah and it's like, you know, we don't have to go through the stress of buying the the PS2 again just to play those, these games and such. And it really shaped up to, like, again, the, the ability of con- uh, the online connectivity and to how we do, how we basically do events these days and such. And again, we don't have to worry about going to game stores and then be like, oh yeah, we're sold out. Yeah, right. Like, it's so funny because remasters, I'm not even that old, like, I'll just say this, I'm 21 years old, you know, I'm still I'm still young and trying to figure stuff out, but like, remasters make me feel so old, especially for DS games, like, I grew up on DS games. The fact that some games from the Nintendo DS, like, as of recent, the new uh, Mystery Dungeon game that's coming out is a remaster of the old one. I can't remember the full name of it, but it's a Mystery Dungeon game, and that was a DS game, like, this doesn't feel that long ago. Like, I could understand titles like... Final Fantasy 7, like, that came out, like, before I was even born, or maybe around the time that I was, um, probably closer to, like, oh, what's it called, um, Mario 64, because I think that one came out close to my age, or maybe it was Ocarina of Time, but, like, remasters for those games make sense, because it's not every day, it's not, like, every day you see someone having a 64 in their house still playing some of these games, like, some of them are remastered, and people are playing the remastered versions off of different consoles. Or the ports so remasters are great because you get to recapture the magic that you first got when you played the game for the very first time because it's unpredictable to tell what games are going to be classics and what are and like what's not going to be a classic you know like people kind of went into persona thinking like oh it's just a good rpg and then persona 5 came out and 4 you could also include 4 came out and now they're like wow, this RPG is a classic and will go down in its history as one of the best and it has shaped the way that future RPGs will ever be made. It's like stuff like that. Like, you don't really know a game's a classic until you play it. And the fact that they remaster such games for different consoles, you get to recapture that magic and then you finally get to understand like why this game is so good, you know, if it's remastered properly. But I still rest my case. You know what? Now that you say that you there's these two titles that I want to talk about specifically that basically prove that point and especially to how how it's important of why these developers 
made it, made it for like these sets so consoles are like you know for everything to what the deals go in the first one that i want to talk about quickly is wind waker mm. wind waker came out in 2002 and i was so addicted to that the remaster of that came out in 2013 i'm over here in 2020 with that knowing that and i'm just it just makes me feel old knowing that and it's the fact that like um they don't have to worry like the console, like, you know, the console makers and game developers, they don't have to worry about that. It's because that, we, with how everything has been shaping up with our history and stuff like that, they don't have to worry about, like, what's going to be, like, good to capture the consumer's, um, you know, the consumer's attention with that. So, like, you know, the, the remasters and such, and hopefully making these good games and such, it just, it brings on the life with people that way. Yeah. yeah, we talked about the remaster with that. I need to talk about this. Remakes. The mm. one that I want to talk about uh, very quickly as well is Final Fantasy VII. Now, I'm going to say this right now. I have not played Final Fantasy VII. I'm actually, like, right now, currently playing the old game. Because um, I have not played it when I was younger. Like, right now, I'm still going through that journey so that I can understand, make the comparisons with um, the new one that's about to come out in two months from now. So... But that game was a really, really huge classic, Final Fantasy VII. And that used to be, like, in, again, the old, like, consoles back then. Like, no online connectivity and stuff like that. No ways of bringing that back again with the whole polygons, sprites and such. You name it. So, um, it's very important because it's, like, the most thing that we're uh, familiar with. The button layouts, the gameplay and such, and you can see of where the globes happen, you know? Mm -hmm. We went from simple polygons and sprites, like I said, simple po polygons and sprites, to like, are we watching a movie? A CGI movie? Pies of the Caribbean? Is, is that what we're watching? Like, whoa! And this is all being handled with these consoles that can now handle that. Like, this is real people. With anime looking hair and such, or like, you know, with like realistic texturing, the weather, like, uh, I, I have to sit here and think that, uh, you know, are we really a part of this now? Like, whoa, like how in the world could these like consoles, like with our technology and such, like make these type of uh, imagery and such, especially like when it's moving, these type of mobility, it's amazing. Yeah, it really is because... You know, back then, games were essentially just, like, models were made from polygons and pixels and sprites. Like, you know, if you want to see something cinematic, you better hope your game gets a movie or you just go watch a movie. But, like, consoles introduced this new way of playing a game as if it felt like a movie. Like, some games out there are scripted like a movie and look like a movie. Like, two games that I can think of off the top of my head are Last of Us and Death Stranding. Like, those games are story written kind of like a TV show or a movie, you know, respective for each game. But cinematically and graphically, they look incredible. It almost feels like I'm watching a movie. And Death Stranding even has, like, A-lister stars, like Norman Reedus and, like, a couple other people in there, too, with a cameo from Conan O'Brien himself. Like, Conan O'Brien is in a video game. Like, who could have guessed that, like, 20 years ago? Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, no, but it's just things like that are like super important to mention because especially to like, again, to what, how we understand the history. Like right now, 
Um, I, I'll quickly say this just to give a little bit of spoiler. Not spoiler, but to what I'm thinking about uh, Final Fantasy VII going back to that. It's hard for me to play that because, you know, it's very ancient and such. And, you know, some people grew up with it. I did not exactly grow up with it because I never had the chance to play Final Fantasy VII. And that's why, like, you know, I'm kind of waiting for the remake for it in a sense. Some people are doing that. Some people aren't, you know. But it's just the fact that, like, it's hard to really go into these uh, old games if they're not remastered or remade. In basically in the modern ways of doing it now with the uh, technologies that we were able to develop and bring it out to the consumer's interest. Yeah. Those are definitely the highlights of consoles. Like, consoles are not bad by all means. I know there's like a whole war between like, or not a war, but like there's definitely a hot discussion between consoles and PCs. You could tell me like both of the similarities, differences, pros and cons of each one, but like, you know, consoles are still good. Now, the question is, are they dying? Which I can kind of believe not right the second they're not dying. Like, people are still using consoles, but PC could be the reason for why consoles might actually die in the future. So, with that being said, we should probably move on to PC. I think a lot has been said about consoles, and we said a lot more than, personally, than I thought we would say, but, um, you know, like, PC is huge right now like i think almost all my friends have like a setup gaming laptop you name it uh they probably use it for school they might just use it solely for gaming video editing like you name it like pcs are they're essentially built to do anything and everything and you know pcs go way 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 far back but like you know back then pcs could not run games that you could get on console like consoles were so big because you could only get those nice running games on console pc was not powerful enough for the public at least to handle those games um but you know as you got to the end of like i think it was around the end of like the early like the late 2000s maybe early 10s yep. was the introduction to steam i know there's like discs you could buy at like gamestop for pc games like you could go get like for example batman arkham origins you could buy like the PC game from GameStop, you download the data from the disc onto your um, system, like whatever PC you have, whether it's a laptop or actual desktop, and then you play it from there. But Steam brought something to the table that I didn't think would actually happen until it did, which was basically giving us a library of several different games, like some from console, some completely new eventually would be considered classics um you can even go as far back as saying like if you played league of legends world of warcraft <laughs> wizard 101 um <laughs> in that one disney game it was something lazy tunes i can't remember the name of it I, i'm sorry if i got it wrong but um it's a very old game it's got like the goofy characters in it i cannot remember that game for the life of me um, mm, I think I know. What yeah, was it? I can't remember it, but if I remember it, I'll just spurt it out. But basically, that game. So, like, a lot of MMOs were more popular, but um, you get into like the middle of the tens, and I'm talking 2010s, by the way, not 1910s. We're not that old, but around <laughs> the tens was when we started to actually see console games get ported to PC. Um, maybe even before that, but like when I first heard of that, I was like, "What? 
Do you play console games on PC? Like, they brought The Witcher and, you know, like, several different other games that I've seen on console. And I'm thinking, wow. That, my first reaction was, rip consoles. Because you have the ability now to own a system, if it can run it, to ah. run console games. Which yeah. is nuts. Like... Like I said before, Witcher you could run. Um, some Final Fantasy games are actually on there. Um, a couple of PlayStation games as well. Like I'm pretty sure you could play like Near Automata, Last of Us. Um, you know some of the Lego series games like Batman and Star Wars. Like some games that share a platform with other consoles have made its way to PC as well, and vice versa. But yeah. I just think it's nuts that people are finally able to play a $60 AAA title on a machine that is a PC and a laptop like now. They're so strong enough now that you can play them on there. And um, one more thing I was going to add. Uh, I know you want to speak. I'm just going to add one more thing real quick. No, no, no. You're good. No worries. Was, um, gosh, what was it? Also, just playing with keyboard and mouse is pretty... Um, controversial too like i know a lot of people play games with the keyboard and mouse it feels pretty nice but i know a lot of other people that actually prefer controllers because you know they grew up on consoles and they're just used to playing on a controller and they do they can do that on either console or pc now i think it's crazy but yeah what were you gonna say so um i just actually looked it up just last minute but (laughs) oh the game Uh, name yeah it was toontown toontown that's what it was called toontown so Doomtown that was developed by uh, Disney and such, and knowing the fact that it, you know, shut down in 2013, very unfortunate. But you know, it was just that old. What what he what we had of the operations of the old games to what we can do now. Here's the thing. Right now, what we're at with PC, it's an open platform, so it's not like structure. It's not like structured to how we have the consoles. It is an open platform to where we can do anything because that. The developers and such, we make it through there and such. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, that, like it's crazy because like you know, um, we have like I said, we have Steam, and then we have like you know the big games and such that like are kind of going to the competitive scene or like you know for whatever that's in the casual like League of Legends, World of Warcraft, Wizard One Hundred One, all those things, and because it's an open platform, they. It, it, it has that range, like, no matter of how old or how new it is. Again, this goes back to, like, how, like, b- back in consoles, like, we, we couldn't do this because, you know, we no longer had the older con- uh, generation consoles. We had the newer ones, but we could not play. It didn't have, uh, even though we, like, sometimes we'll have the, the disc for it, though, or it would just no longer work. But now that, like, online connectivity, it's a huge, huge thing in our world right now. And, uh, it's like, there's, like, now we're in a world where nothing is out of our reach these days. It's not impossible anymore. And because that, like, now this is being brought onto PC and stuff like that, it's like, woo! And that's the thing, though. With our PCs, with our setups and stuff like that, um, we can do anything with it. We could, like, again, like, you can buy a pre-built or, like, you can build your own and such. Like, I I have here built... So, um, 
we we get accustomed to what the demands are for these set so games, the AAA titles, as Crunch mentioned before, and um, it it's like really crazy because it's like you know we could also use a controller that we could just simply plug in now with the modern technology that we have and such. We can make our own accommodations to it, while in comparison with consoles. To play these quote-unquote exclusives and such, we had to pay the full 300 to 400 and you name it. Mm, yeah. So, um, and plus, like, you know, again, it's not that uh, hard to find a game and such, because, again, like, you know, uh, there will be sales going on, which consoles, they, they have been doing that nowadays, you know? But now that, like, you know, again, like, Every day, I would get emails from Steam and such. I'm like, oh, yeah, you could buy Final Fantasy VII for, like, five bucks. When back then, it used to be, like, 30 to $40. And right now, games, like, newly that come out and such, it's, like, the full 60 Used to, Back then, it used to be, like, 30 to 40 And then, like, consoles, they would be, like, probably 80 to, like, at most $200. At most. But now, no, here we are. And it's just, like, whoa. With PC and such, we can upgrade our parts to accommodate and to keep things running to keep things alive and such you know right yeah and what you were mentioning before like buying i want to bring this into perspective is like yeah pcs are pretty expensive you know sometimes you'll be spending a couple thousand just for like a setup maybe even a thousand for like a gaming laptop like i spent a thousand for a gaming laptop and it's, but it's a worthy investment because all you really need to do in the future is just upgrade through parts, which those in itself cost a couple hundred dollars, but you only really need to upgrade within like a few years, like maybe two to four years, like max, you just need to upgrade your parts. Whereas when you're spending money on a console nowadays, one, some of the games you want to play that you think are only on console most likely, unless they're exclusive, are probably going to be on PC. And you really don't want to spend another $500 every like three or four years on an entire new console right. just to play that one game. It saves you a lot of money. And on top of that, like when you were mentioning things about deals, especially with Steam, they have some crazy sales during the summer and the holidays. I've bought in AAA title games on there for like less than $30 sometimes, which if you compare that to like the eShop on Nintendo, the PlayStation Store, the Xbox Live Store, like those games are still full price unless the company themselves make it um, like on sale, unless they bring a sale to the table at some point. But like I've bought in like I can't remember what game it was, but, like, the Devil May Cry collection, if you wanted to get it on console, it was, like, 39 or $40, and it was on sale on Steam only at one point, and I bought it for, like, $20, $25, just because I waited. Wow. Yeah, like, That's dude, crazy. these deals are no joke. Like, some of these deals go as far down as, like, 90% off. <sighs> Not for AAAs, but, like, you know, smaller very good well-known indie games or like just lower end games that people don't play as much like they're still do they still get some pretty dope deals and you know with that being said you really have to put into that perspective because at the end of the day like as mentioned before 
for PC, you only need to make one upgrade, maybe two or maybe three sometimes, depending on how your setup is and what, you know, obstacles that are being thrown at you, though. But they're cheaper than buying a whole $300 to $400 console and, you know, the games that would just be like, you know, the $60, the $50, whatever they may be priced. But, you know, with PC, again, like, you know, there's deal. There's always some type of deals going on and such. And the deals are crazy because it's an open platform. So you're really saving money with doing that rather than, like, you know, again, you're going through the whole extent and hoping to God that the consoles, they're, like, at a cheaper price for, um, for a one day for, like, you know, in a weekend on a deal or, like, you know, a coupon that you would get for, like, not even that much. Or, basically, your last and only hope, Black Friday. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Black Friday sales. Better look out for those, too. Oh, yeah, Black Friday. Oh, yeah, no, and th- and here's where the competition comes in with that. You know, sometimes it would be, like, with our local stores and such, like, you will have these great deals and such. Sometimes, if you're lucky, if you're lucky in the in the world of gaming, you would it would it's really selective with the titles and such. I want to bring this as an example, like, with Nintendo. They don't have something, like, you know, their AAA games and such, even when it's out for a while. They don't have that on sale. Mm-mm. Like, Smash Ultimate, that was not, it, it, there was no discount on that. Not even that much. But yeah. <laughs> if you go on PC and such, say near Automata, it used to be $60. On Black Friday, it was only up for, like, 20 bucks or less. Yeah. Oh. And it was, I'm just sitting here, I'm like, you have these titles available across with not just one platform. Sometimes it's really difficult with exclusivities, though, but it's just like, sometimes you don't really need to get into that, though. Like, it's it's a little bit of, like, downplay of what you really want to get into, especially to, like, what the hype is all about with this game. But the structure of that is only exclusive to this console, though. But once it gets into that PC world, well, the consoles will be history. Yeah, they'll be done for. I will say one, like, I think Nintendo does a really good job at marketing their consoles because a lot of some of their best games aren't even on PC. There's pros and cons to that. Like, because, you know, take Final Fantasy VII, for example. Like, if that game did not get remastered or ported to, like, any other system, there was no way for you to play it unless you found, like, an emulator and a ROM, and then just emulated it on PC, um, which kind of sucks for Nintendo because a lot of old games, like the old, old, old games, some of which they refuse to port, I don't know why, or even remaster for that matter, but Nintendo definitely does not put their games on PC, and that kind of keeps their business alive because their consoles, I think, are great. It's just there's some flaws with them. Like, the Switch does have flaws, but, like, for the most part, it's a very fun console. And it's got some of the best games that Nintendo has came out with in years. I'm talking Breath of the Wild, Smash Ultimate, um, what's another one? They're coming out with Animal Crossing, hopefully Bayo and Metroid Prime, um, Mario Kart's on there. Maybe not the best Mario Kart, but it's definitely Mario Kart, and you'll love to see a Mario Kart game on the new console. And... I guess Splatoon. For those that really do like Splatoon, it's the second one's on here. Like, there's so many good games on here. 
And I think it's worth the $300 investment to at least keep a Switch with you. Plus, it gives you a lot of accessibility. You can play it on a TV or you can play it on the go. Like, it's a console and a handheld. It's oh, it's really yes. cool. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, that's why they're so good at this console business is because they always keep their best games on their consoles. And the only time you'll ever see them ported or remade is for the next console coming up. They don't even put it on PC. They might have a mobile game or two, but, like, that's it. They don't do it. See, here's where my concern lies now that we're here. Now that you say that, um, because I don't see much of Sony or Microsoft, and because that Nintendo was the first, the very first one to introduce that concept, because, like, again, now with our technology, it can handle it. They were the first to introduce with a gimmick, a successful gimmick, to where we could play it on the TV with these heavy games that like you know again a mobile device can't handle and stuff like that back then at least you know um like again with um the smash ultimate series and such uh all those games you could play that with you on the go to wherever you're going and all you need is just basically a battery because it's basically a little bit of a tablet though but it's crazy of how it could handle it it's not exactly like at its peak right now in terms of its specs but it's the successful concept that is going to move forward with that. While I'm not seeing of uh, Sony and Microsoft moving forward with that, and the only way that they'll be able to accomplish that is if they do the exact same thing with what Nintendo did. But that's going to be very difficult because of some of the titles that were even on Sony and Microsoft, they're also in Nintendo as well. And you can see how that's going to migrate in time. Yeah, like, I, I think Sony is still kind of doing okay. Like... A lot of their games are on PC too, but like, what's really keeping consoles together right now are exclusives. Like, like I said with Nintendo, they, they're literally their entire platform is exclusive. Like, and if you want to play a Nintendo game, uh, legally, <laughs> you gotta buy a console of theirs. Uh, PlayStation, you know, some of the most of the games on PlayStation do share with Xbox or PC, maybe even the Switch. Um, but exclusives like Kingdom Hearts. Minus three in the fact that's on Xbox. Let's just take that out of our head for a second. Kingdom Hearts, um, Uncharted, maybe some of the Final Fantasy games I can't remember. Like those are exclusive to Sony. So if you want to play those games, you need a PS4. But this this is what I this is why I think like as a subtopic that Xbox is going to die out is because recently. So let's visit this back because I said this at the beginning of the podcast. Halo's huge. Everybody knows it. If you know Master Chief, you know Halo. And it's on Xbox. Or so it was. Um, Recently, they not only announced, but released the Master Chief Collection on PC. That is huge, dude. Because a lot of people bought an Xbox to play, you know, games maybe like Sunset Overdrive. Like, that's another really good exclusive that they have on there. Um... But Halo Master Chief Collection is, like, a game that a lot of people have on the Xbox. And the fact that it got ported over to PC says a lot about Xbox's future. Like, yeah, Halo Infinite, the new one, is going to be on... I think it's going to be on Xbox. But supposedly it was mostly designed for PC. So you can tell that Microsoft is like, oh, 
well, we should probably just move to PC then. Because, like, they even have PC deals. Like, you can play a lot of the Microsoft games, like the Xbox ones, on PC. A lot of them are on there. Which is why I feel like Xbox is going to be the first console to die. Despite the fact that it was one of the first to make its name. Now, Nintendo was first, and so was, like, Sony. But, you know, Xbox came on the scene, it was kind of big, but... I don't know how much longer it can last now because Xbox One isn't even that good. And 360, I think, was the peak of Xbox. So. Right. Yeah, I mean. Because you also have to think about, like, there's only now really, like, one game that I truly feel like I want to play on the Xbox, but it's not even worth buying a console to even play it now. Like, I'd rather just maybe pray and wait for that one day that Xbox is like, all right, screw it, we're putting Sunset Overdrive on PC. And if that happens, then the console's truly dead. Like, when they showed off Project Scarlet or Xbox X Series, whatever the crappy title is that they gave it at um, the Game Awards, wasn't even impressed. And the Xbox itself literally looks like a console PC. Like, its shape, like the way, like the exterior of the new Xbox looks like a PC. That kind of says a lot. It's not even worth to put in your little home space. It's not even worth it. And, like, I'm looking at my desk right now because this is, like, where my setup is for doing the podcast. And I'm, like, thinking about, well, let's say I did get an Xbox. Like, where would I even put it? Like, I have no room for it. It's just a big tower that just sits on the floor or your desk and just collects dust. It's not even worth the price that's coming out for. I do think they're, um, they make great, what's it called, controllers. The new controller they showed off, I was actually really impressed with. But, you know, it's compatible with PC. And if it's compatible with PC, you know I'm going to just cop it for PC. Like, I'm not even going to cop it for a console. Because the thing about Windows as well is, like, Windows is connected to Microsoft. And if you're making an Xbox controller made by Microsoft, you're more than likely going to be able to play... games in a more friendly friendly manner with an xbox controller like i have a 360 but it's kind of on its dying end now like i have a 360 controller and it's kind of on its dying end like i just said but you know if i get that new xbox controller like the one that they showed off with the adjustable analog sticks and everything like i'll be set and i'll still be playing on pc yep and that's something that I want to mention as well, like in terms of like exclusives that are only the only thing that's keeping the uh, consoles alive. Because like right now, it's a little bit unfortunate because from what it looks like, it's now a competition of like if if we remove the exclusives out of the equations, the only thing that we're really seeing here is a competition of the specs. And this is where my concern lies with that because like you know. We're already hearing about the rumored PS5 specs and such of what it's going to offer. And it's like, uh, are we really wanting to like buy something that's pre-built specifically for, you know, for these exclusives and such? Like, cause again, like the price keeps getting higher because like, uh, we heard that, uh, their storage unit is being moved from HDD to an SSD and such. And it's like, that's amazing. But, like, they keep adding on to it, and I'm just like, oh, my lord, that is not going to be $400. It might be even be more. That's just my pre- prediction of that, though. But if it keeps going at this rate of, in terms of its specs like that, that's going to be a huge, huge failure competition. That's going to be, like, a really controversial monopoly here. Um, and uh, that's why I'm saying it's, like, Nintendo, 
the first one that actually introduced this concept like this, especially that they had the technology to handle that, it's like, ooh, that like, if you think about it in the later run, like again, in terms of specs, it's not at its peak though. But when it evolutionizes that way, that's gonna put some type of little uh, alarming to the other two, which again, the one that's at the the brink of huge concern is Microsoft. Sony is doing okay, but they gotta make certain type of moves. And it's gonna be, I'm gonna feel some type of way if there's gonna be a copy and paste with Nintendo. Um, and actually recently I saw the, um, the update with CES. I've been following up with that. And uh, they, they, there's a recent introduction of basically the own version of their, um, the PC, the Steam actually. Yes, the Steam of the Nintendo Switch. It's like, oh crap. If they're doing that, is that going to be like the new thing, like the new constant gimmick that's going to keep going? And if that's the case, that it's going to be really tricky to like go around with this. I can't even predict of what, what will happen because in my opinion, from the way of how things are going, Nintendo and PC are like the only things that are like kind of going right now. Sony is there, but again, I, I don't know what it's going to be in the future with them because I can't predict that because I'm not like... Because I'm only hearing rumors, but until they actually make that formal introduction and to see where that goes, what moves they make, we won't know till there. Yep. And, you know, I'm not trying to advocate, like, oh, you should all get a PC setup. But, like, you got to also think about, like, some of the new features that consoles are going to try to bring. It's just another excuse for them to make the prices of consoles go even higher than you want them to, like... When I first saw the price for the Xbox One, whew, that turned me off very quickly. It was like $500. I was like, what's the point of spending $500 on a console like that when I could literally just get like a better PC? There's no point in buying an Xbox like that for that price. And then you see the PS4, it's only like $299. I mean, granted, the Xbox is on sale now for a little lower, but like the X, I think the highest price the PlayStation ever was, like the PS4. It was like maybe 300 to 400. I can't remember, but like I think one of the base Xbox One systems, like not even terabyte worth of data, like just 500 gigs was like $500. It's like way too much money. But I'm not trying, I'm not really exactly like, I'm not like pro PC or anything. Um, I actually kind of prefer consoles. Um, just a little bit for, I don't know why, but like, I love PC gaming so much. I think it's very accessible and it's, um, it's very handy to have on a working laptop like mine, but I also like consoles still, especially the switch. Like I like the PS4 too, but like the switch is great because I get to play all my good games on there too. And like, if I want to play a game on the go, I could just bring my switch with me. But, um, you know, I think depending on what certain moves are made in this decade, it could very well be the end of consoles if uh, Nintendo switches to PC, PlayStation stops doing exclusives, like small things like that can make a big impact on consoles. So we'll see what happens. I'm thinking the PS5 might be one of the last PlayStations we might get for a very long time, if not ever. And I feel like Xbox is going to die out. And then Nintendo, I think we'll hold on for a pretty long time, but we'll see how long long is. But I also want to bring this up 
as like the domino effect um that actually i thought about this the other day um what what's really tricky with this especially with you know the economy but we we can discuss that another day with whatever reasons um online subscriptions Mm, we now have those with our uh, exclusive consoles and such uh, and th- this was this is what drives people away because we're trying to make money to, uh, we're using our m- money to buy these games for these consoles and such, um, especially when it's multiplayer. But now, in order to do that, to quote unquote keep these servers up and running, it to support for better, you know, less of lag input and such. You know, we have to keep our online subscriptions and support Nintendo, Sony and Microsoft to keep things going. But that's that's what's crazy. If you go on PC, you don't have to worry about any of that because because I mentioned this before. This is the open platform to where you can do anything regardless of where this set so game came from or whatever or whatever how it's made, it's the open platform. Yeah, like imagine buying internet despite already paying for internet bills like for just for consoles like what a crazy concept (laughs) like i'm sitting over here playing smash thinking to myself like wow i really just bought a 20 dollar online subscription that's not even that good just so i could play smash with my friends and then it's not any better for playstation or xbox like there's our literally another game um another game's worth to get like it's sixty dollars a year for um, online subscription. It's only twenty dollars a year for Nintendo because they don't really have a lot besides just playing games online. But like sixty dollars a year, I could just get another single player game. Like with PC, all you're paying is your internet bills and whatever sort of other electricity bills and like internet bills you got. But like once you have that, you're you're playing games online, no subscription fees unless the game itself has one which not many of them do. So if you want to play that new COD, don't spend $120 on the game and PlayStation Plus. Just spend 60 on PC if you have the technology for it. And you know what's even crazier, because uh, this is also part of this discussion as well, is basically cross-platform, you know, with online connectivity. You have the game on this platform, but you like, let's say, for example, and such... I- this brings me to disappointment that I'm bringing this up, though. But Fortnite. You can play Fortnite with friends regardless of the platform in a sense. Which is mind-blowing to, in a way. Because, again, like it's, it's being ran on a special type of server for that. While with the exclusives and such, you had to pay the online subscription. So... You like you kind of have to be careful of like what platform you buy the game for if it's more than one platform and if it has some type of crossplay to it and such. You have to make the smart move. Um, and again, this all really depends on the circumstances that you have and such, though. But for the later and long run of your personal enjoyment and how you want to enjoy gaming with your friends and such, you really have to think about that, especially with again like why do that when. We already have an open platform in a sense. We got yeah, like, for it. Uh, just save your money, man. Like, uh, think about, like, future investments with gaming and just tell yourself, like, do I want to be spending 
another subscription a year just so I can play console um, online. Plus, you have way more accessibility with PC. Um, like I said, I'm not pro PC. I'm just saying, like, for games like these, like, if you want to play online, it's probably worth to just play it on PC. But if you want to play single-player games on the consoles, and that's fine, too, because there's some exclusives on there as well. I, I do the same thing. But, like, you know, a lot of online games, I try to get it on PC because, one, you can use a controller if you want or keyboard or mouse. Like, you can use literally any controller you want just as long as the game supports it. Whereas on console, like, you can't use keyboard and mouse. You're only limited to the controller that is set for the console. So just something to think about, especially when you're getting new games and you want to play the new COD. It's like, would you rather pay $120 and then play on console and then lose every time? Or do you want to have a choice as to what controller you actually want to use on PC, not pay extra, and, you know, game on or, like, whatever? And with that being said, actually, because, um, again, we've talked a lot about with consoles and um, with PC and such, with the game's exclusivities and, you know, with specs and such, and basically for investments to how things really go for the future and, like, what's been going on for, like, the past several years and, well, what's going to be the concern for the beyond and such. We have to also discuss this, which... Uh, I was actually, like, I had to think about this, but this is also a little bit of a surprise of how, because of how popular it is now, which is the mobile gaming. Oh, by far. Um, so, one of, uh, the guy you work for again, his name is, like, King's Eye, or King's Alt Eye? King, King's Eyes. King's Eyes, right. So, he pitched this idea to us when we were kind of, like, planning out the consoles versus pc podcast and smartphones kind of just like completely went over my head i i was thinking to myself like it's not really that that great it's not anything insane and then i was just kind of listing examples of games that were in my head and i was like oh wait it actually is like i had to think about like you know smartphones are on your phone and the phone is something that a lot of people have and carry in their pocket and when you're bored you want to play a game which you can do on your phone it's very interactive because you have the touch screen and you know some some of them are actually like just as good as some other console games like i know like the some of the first ones that ever happened were like flappy bird angry birds fruit ninja clash of clans and like other mmos they even have like some cod call of duty spinoffs or even like the new cod is on mobile as well pokemon go of course there's other old ones like Jetpack Joyride, which was kind of like a, a scroller game, same with Temple Run, and then Fruit Ninja, which is actually a game that went on an arcade recently. It's like an arcade station now, but, um, you know, games like that. And another one I really like is um, Demo, which I believe, and this is a discussion for a different day, but I think it's like probably one of, if not the best mobile game of all time. It's a, It's basically a music game. But it's got a cool story, it's got some great music, and it, you know, obviously you're tapping the notes, kind of like Guitar Hero, but it's on mobile, and you can play it wherever, and it's a great game. And then you have other, like, pay-to-win games as well, like Kingdom Hearts Union Cross, um, Doken, and there's also, like, a One Piece game that's on there as well. I forgot what it's called, but that's, like, a sort of a pay-to-win as well, technically Mario Kart. Um... But 
Yeah, like, I mean, there's Mario Kart on mobile. Like, if it, God forbid it came on PC first, because it's on mobile now. <laughs> like, I remember playing Mario Kart DS and thinking, wow, this is the closest I'm ever going to get to playing Mario Kart on mobile. Like, on the go. But, uh, sort of, it sort of killed handhelds, I'm not going to lie. I mean, besides the fact that, like, you know, consoles are just better than portable games, I mean, mobile games... You can literally run better games on mobile games now than you could on like a DS, DSi, 3DS, you name it. Like I bet I could run King, like Kid Icarus Uprising. I could probably run that on my phone. I'm not even going to lie. Yeah. Uh, shout out to basically the mobile um, develop, um, developers out there for Apple, Android, Samsung, all, all those places, you know. Um that they were able to make this happen to like again like the technology is advancing really quickly to make this gaming you know paths for all of us happen for this way and the reason why we're like this is this is important like back then like at, at least to where i grew up when and such like mobile games that like you know again it's just cute games and such but like we actually see like some type of titles and such that are actually like again final fantasy 7 is also on mobile that's still crazy to me and such and soon i would not be able to doubt that like it's going to take on titles with how our mobile phones are being developed our tablets and such how they're being developed it's going to be almost the same equivalence as the switch almost to that point and um and oh yeah and especially like you know with the uh our portable console like our favorite ones uh the ds the psp and stuff like that like they are done for especially the fact that um Nintendo, on their side at least, with they said that they wanted to keep the 3DS alive, but they just killed it with bringing on the Switch. And especially with now their new other concept uh, that's into the family, the Switch Lite. So it's like, you really don't need the these type of consoles and stuff like that anymore because it's like, you know, again, our phones, like, we're always on it because it's basically everything that we have, our social medias, our messages and stuff like that the the basically the platform to communicate and such though but because it has so much capability to do like all these things with our cameras and stuff like that uh you can even use like use bluetooth technology to connect to controller to your phone whoa we need to slow down real quick like whoa yeah like think about that you can literally connect for whatever reason also, apparently, like, I can't remember if it was Xbox or PS4, but apparently if you downloaded an app, you could, like, sync your account onto your mobile phone and play PlayStation or Xbox games on your phone. Like, what? Mm-hmm. And the thing is the fact that, like, now this is being really taken seriously because uh, I actually did the research of this uh, before, like, we did the podcast, though, but, like... The marketing for mobile games and such, it has gone up so much exponentially. It's, it like, it's a bigger, like, they, they rival against with consoles. They do. Like, it, it, like, and it's crazy, like, you know, again, because mobile, it's basically almost the same thing as, like, an open platform with PC, except that it's just mobile. Like, again, it the, the Nintendo Switch accomplishes that with, basically, the homestay console and you know it has that mobile feature the mobility with handling such great titles these heavy loaded games and such and soon our phones are going to go like further and beyond with that to compete with that so 
it's like, whoa, like if we have that and the way of how our technology is going to be going, consoles, what do you have to offer for us to actually keep spending good amounts of money? How much investment do you, like, do you expect us to like actually put in for you when we already have these things that we already have already? Yeah, I don't know. It's like, you know, like I said, like as as we start to conclude this episode like as we talk about it a little more if it ever happens um like i really don't have like a huge preference like i'm not like pro pc and down with the consoles or keep consoles alive and pc sucks but like both have their benefits but i feel like one is going to benefit way more in the future and the other one's just going to die faster and you could probably tell which one i'm like what side i'm taking on this debate but um yeah i mean just think about like saving your money like these games are not cheap either they're like you know like some of the games that are triple a's and a lot of people want are like 60 dollars, and that's like a lot of money uh for a triple a game like i remember only spending like 40 dollars really on a game in the past and now they've gone up to 60 and it's like whoa it's like i really hope it doesn't get more expensive than that i hope 60 is like the cap for yeah. a standard game like without releasing a deluxe or a collector's edition because games are not cheap these days no they are not and i hoped that they don't continue to increase on that because it's already difficult as is you know because again i feel like like 60 is like the max cap that they're going with this um and it's just like the fact like you know that really goes into depend with these exclusives for these structure their own structure platforms sony nintendo and microsoft while we have the open platforms pc and mobile with basically ios and android and whatever else that we have which i can't name off of that because whenever you hear mobile you only think of ios and android yeah so um that being said it's just that type of interaction with that um, it's just, I don't really, I'm not really seeing the point of these consoles, which again, like I, what this, what I'm saying here is the fact that like, th- this is just me. This is just crunch of the way of how we are seeing like the, basically the benefits with in terms of like how much money that we're putting, being put into this. What's the point of this? What is the point of that? All these things are being put into a question because it, it's, it's up to you of how you want to put in your investments to enjoy your, you know, your gaming hobbies and such, you know, um, and what you're interested for. It really depends of, like, where does your interest lie, how far is it going to go and such, and where, where, where do you want to, like, go with this, you know? And that also puts into a question with basically our competitors and the open platforms and such. How much of the evolution can you actually keep going before there could be a possibility of dying out? Yeah. I mean, we both leave it up to you guys to figure out, like, what you prefer. We're not trying to sway your opinions or anything, but we're just laying down facts and, like, future possibilities that could unfold as time progresses in this decade. You know, it's a new decade. We started out in 2010 with... Some dope games and some nice-ass consoles that lasted a long time. And you get to 2020, it's like, well, 
here I am playing Star Wars Battlefront 2 on PC for hours on end. Uh, don't even want it on console. It's like, makes you think about like, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen to consoles and handhelds now. Yeah, because like, the evolution went pretty far this time with how it we did. went from 2010 you know, to 2020. But, you know, as we go for overall and such, like, the beginning, the beginning age of this, it's like, how, like, because again, like, you know, again, we could have another discussion for another day when in terms of, like, you know, concepts like VR, you know, stuff. But it's things like that it's very important to consider to how this benefits to your own interest and basically for the consumer's interest and what these other competitors' interests would be and such, and how this is going to rope in, keep roping other people in for that. And, um, yeah, we'll just have to see if this will actually, like, age well or age well badly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, so, that's, I think that's about it on my part. I basically talked about everything that I really wanted to get out there, like, um... If you like, I mean, even if you like smartphone gaming too, or like smartphone gaming, if, I mean, even if you like mobile gaming as well, like, I don't hate you for that. I think some mobile games are great. Just up to you. Do what you believe and what you feel comfortable is best for that, you know? It's just right now, like, this is, a re this is really important to lay down these facts and the, uh, the concerns that you probably would occur, occur in your thoughts and such, you know? But, yeah. yeah, I would have to say this is also the last thing that I would have to say as well. Um, but, yeah, do what you think is best. Do what, you, do what makes you happy and your wallet's not suffering. <laughs> right. So, but, yes, uh, that is all for the podcast episode. If you are listening to this show on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave out a five-star rating if you enjoyed this podcast. Hit up the Storm Connect Twitter at StormConnectEN or other platforms. Uh, this podcast is on, uh, for, on for the show. Uh, or the feedback I meant to say. <laughs> so, uh, this is Zeno Ninja, and this is Crunch. Uh, I thank you, Crunch, for being here again today, and especially for having this wonderful discussion. Yeah, of course, it's always fun to come back on here and talk about uh, controversial topics. Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, oh yeah, also, um, I, I don't know if you guys have noticed though, but uh, I just want to give you a quick thank you guys for the support for this show. Um, I really hope that we can keep going with this and such. And again, the Twitter uh, for the podcast has been growing here and there a bit. And I also have a special announcement uh, that I'll be making sometime later this month. And I hope you all look forward to that. But yeah, thank you guys for watching or for listening. And I'll see you guys next Wednesday.